Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Bob or You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Go Home Bible, You're Drunk, the podcast where we drag out our old Bibles and see if there's anything good still in there, because people tell me there is, and I I feel like I need to know for sure. CBD. Yeah. And my name is Justin. I am one of the hosts of this here podcast, and I am a former, not a former seminarian. I do still have the degree. I went to seminary. I was a pastor. I now I'm not. Uh, but I have all this knowledge bumping around in my head, and I like to use it from time to time with my friends. Now, one of those friends is sitting across the country from me. She's going to introduce herself. Hi. Hello. Yeah, I'm Tori. Um, and yeah, I am not, I'm not a seminarian. I did go to Bible school real quick, dropped out very fast. Um, and yeah, I was thinking, I was thinking about the fact that like, we were just, we just memorize entire chapters of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty sure that like, at one point our mom wanted us to memorize Psalm 119, which is the longest chapter in the entire Bible. That's, that's commitment. Uh-huh. I, think I memorized the book of James once. I okay. Know that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that was like the first thing that's like my, some of my earliest memories are being like forced to say Bible verses. <laughs> so that's, that's my background. It's yeah. not completely traumatic, except it kind of is. And yeah, it's very cathartic to just have conversations about that, that lifestyle choice. Yeah, that, that. <laughs> I'm going to reverse, I'm going to reverse, um, homophobia them like the lifestyle choice that they're making to be evangelicals which is not something that they have to do no one made them like you can just stop being an evangelical you guys just stop uh it's not intrinsic to your personhood it's not it's not it's a lifestyle choice and you have chosen wrongly they've chosen the evangelical lifestyle and we're gonna call them out of it oh man yeah, it's yeah. it's I mean it's like it's like they read Marie Kondo and then like now they're all in on the system or something, except but they read the Bible and they mm-hmm. they're all in on what they think that it says. What they need it to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think many of them would be like they are without the Bible. Um just the Bible provides a, a backing to whatever they believe. Right, right. And like, I have so many thoughts about this now because it's like, yeah, I'm just going to use, I'm just going to use the Bible and I'm going to use my Christianity for whatever I feel like using it for. Mm-hmm. And 
go on about my way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which, speaking of people just using the Bible for freaking cover, yeah, for their horrible lifestyle choices. Yeah, it is a lifestyle. <laughs> oh, it is. It's so sad. I don't love it. Yeah, it's it's kind of a brand, really. Um, the franchise, yeah. Yeah, so we wanted to talk about uh, a particular celebrity, a recent convert, I believe. Uh, but ish, ish. Like last five to ten years, I would say. Uh, recent convert Chris Pratt uh, feels he. Um, he... This, is, this is so news reporty. Yeah, recent I, convert Chris I, Pratt was I, recently I really, seen. <laughs> I really got news reporting on this one. I think it's because <laughs> I'm trying to emotionally distance myself from it. It's scarring. That's yes. why. Uh, he he's really has gone double down on the uh, mega church youth pastor aesthetic uh, with one of his recent Instagram posts about his wife. Um, And we're not going to comment on his wife's appearance or whether she's attractive or not, or even, you know, we we have very low fidelity views. We're sure she's lovely. This has nothing to do with her. This is like the way that he and, and most men i think in evangelicalism um treat their wives as like possessions yeah so the instagram post i'm not going to read the whole thing but he and you it has a joking tone for right, sure right. i think i think most of the reaction if there is a reaction to this particular post his counter reaction is going to be it was a joke it's funny uh-huh, right. and for the most part i'm going to just say yeah that's true but Underneath that joke, I think, is a lot of language that I have seen thrown around by evangelicals. Seriously. And maybe even thrown around myself at one point, but just that, you know, that this woman is my possession. I have her heart. You know, she helps me with everything. And I I contribute basically nothing. Basically nothing. Yeah. Um, her heart's pure. It belongs to me. There's just all this like language of ownership. Even yeah. if it's a joke, it's like right. this doesn't feel like a tasteful joke. And yeah. mm-hmm. and I don't know that you're really joking on a lot of it. <laughs> um, and and the there was one particular line that I think was um kind of gross when she he talked about she gave me a healthy child. Um, and I'm glad he has a healthy child. Don't yeah, get me absolutely. wrong. But if you're saying, hey, this woman gave me a healthy t- child and she's amazing. And your previous wife, which you left for this other woman, gave you a not healthy child that has chronic health problems. That's not something good to say publicly. I'm that's just going to throw that out there. It's, 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 it's horrific, honestly. So there's a lot in there about the ownership as well as the like, good virtuous women make healthy babies which seems really gross but is very Uh common in evangelical circles yeah um even in more progressive evangelical circles the belief that you know like the kind of woo-woo essential oils type christian circles do have that um you have healthy children because you follow the quote-unquote right way um that's so horrifying and so there's just a lot going on and this even just this one little this one little instagram post just brings out an awful lot i think i think maybe he i think maybe he has adhd for starters because that went all over the fucking place true true (laughs) 
we yes. we recognize our own. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's sad. Um Oh my God. There's just, yeah. And it's not, I don't want to like disempower his wife, like in any way, like I'm, I'm not saying that she doesn't have agency or autonomy. I'm yeah. not, you know, we're not suggesting that like he is being abusive in any way, even yeah. just having this lens, right. Of like, this is the role of a woman. Right. Mm-hmm. And I like hired you for this role and you need to perform it. And if you perform it well, then I'm going to write this rambly random Instagram post about how perfect you are. And if you don't perform it well, um, well, I don't know if you've ever seen evangelicals get divorced, but it's not nice. Uh, I will leave you for someone that will perform the services required. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 and And that was the undercurrent of the post even. And it just, that's how it felt to me. That's a, and I, I want to be emphasized that that's how it felt to me because I don't know Chris Pratt. I don't know his wife. I don't know his previous marriage. Right. We have an incredibly low fidelity view of any celebrity's life. So I don't want to read too much into it. It's more like there are a lot of red flags here that... Because we've heard this shit before. Because we've heard it all before. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and maybe he has no idea what he's saying and he's just parroting what he sees other evangelicals saying about their wives. Could be yeah. That could be completely fair. But it is, these things are very common. And I think the whole slaveholder theology, honestly, of Mm -hmm. this woman is my possession. And And this child is my possession. child is my possession. And my, like, God-given authority is to decide the outcomes of their lives. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, that's, that's basically what it boils down to is, like, God has given me authority to be, like, the head of the household meaning like i'm i'm ultimately in charge of like the decisions you can and can't make mm-hmm. um did you ever get into that like male headship bullshit when or was that not really your your yeah like stuff? it was around the funny thing is i was part of a denomination called the wesleyan church and the wesleyan church was one of the first denominations to embrace women's suffrage uh one of the first a women's suffrage meetings in the United States and Seneca Falls, New York was at a Wesleyan church. Um, so the denomination has very deep roots in empowering women and ordain- ordaining women. Um, but they're also evangelical, which means most mm-hmm. of the materials that they buy are focused on the family. Mm-hmm. Oh. And so it's, it's this weird mix of, yes, this is our history, and yeah, we believe that women should be leaders, but I think underneath that, at least the modern day Wesleyan movement is this belief that like, but men probably should be the leaders. Um, and so that's, it's an interesting kind of push pull there that, yeah, there was a lot of this headship stuff. And even there was like, you know, oh, it's not headship. Like he's the head of the body, but like head as in like head of the river like he's the source of god's divine favor on the marriage or whatever please please yeah. stop being yeah, the like, head of the river like get me out of this river that sounds horrifying yeah like yeah <laughs> he's a river rushing and pouring into you like he's, no like, no like, i had i no. had a past i had a pastor friend of mine that said like every morning every time i go home i have to you know pour into my wife and he was saying it like not ironically uh-huh. like which is kind of a like 
mm, I'm going to pour into your wife. No, because <laughs> she can't no. manage without you. Yeah. Like, okay. Um, yeah. And so that's, that's an interesting thing. And this like hyper-masculine ideal wrapped in evangelicalism, where it's like, I have to be the spiritual right. leader of my house. Right. Um, and Unfortunately, what happens is that when women begin to grow and many times outpace their husbands in maturity or whatever, Mm -hmm. like that's seen as a threat to his headship, ownership, whatever. Um, And, and you see it in large ways and small ways. I I remember I was working at a church and my little, I shared an office with a woman and she was reading the book boundaries, like, Mm. And the senior pastor came by and he like jokingly said like, oh, we don't want you reading that book. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, well, that was, yeah, it's because if she has boundaries, then you won't get as much free labor out of her, <laughs> probably. Um, so yeah, it's, it is this odd thing that Chris Pratt's post is just a symptom of. I'm not. Right. If we right. fix pr- Chris Pratt, we have not fixed the problem. We um, haven't fixed much of anything, no. actually. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, so it's not really about him. It's just more like, wow, this is an interesting um, view into this theology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like even even what like your senior pastor, I think you said, said mm-hmm. to this woman about yeah. who was reading a book about boundaries. It's like there is an entitlement to your labor, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get to be entitled to certain things right and it's like it sounds really corny but a a lot of it is kind of like you have to like you have to look pretty and have a meal on the table like it's less that now I think but um there's still this like yeah the whole smoking hot wife vibe of like um you're just like this prize thing that I show off so that everybody knows how blessed I am Mm -hmm. um but like thing right it's not like you're a person and you were precious to me and I want to honor you and like support you and empower you like it's the inverse of that right Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of presenting as like honoring but it's language that is very disempowering and dehumanizing and taking agency away Mm -hmm. and I think that's why like yeah that's why I got the 14 red flags (laughs) that one Instagram post yeah did you experience that all as a as a woman in white evangelicalism? Um, I mean, I definitely experienced uh, the whole like women should be silent in church thing, and I never really took that very seriously. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't like women should be silent in church, like women can't speak or even women can't preach. But like you still have you still have to kind of you still have to defer to the men. Mm -hmm. right? Because the men are the ones that God actually called. And um, yeah, it's just weird. Everybody's dynamic is kind of different. Also, like every couple's dynamic is kind of different, but it's just, there's just looking back, there were just so many like unhealthy marriages that were strongly encouraged by the pastors because that was just what you were supposed to do, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and it's, it's really rough when it's like, oh yeah, we're just encouraging you to like graduate from high school, get engaged and get married. Um, I think especially for women, because 
you don't necessarily have a like a marketable skill set. Mm-hmm. And so if you if you need to leave that relationship for whatever reason, like you're pretty much like financially, yeah. you're not really going to have the means to do that. Yeah, you can't. Um, I have been learning that in whiteness generally, mm-hmm. a woman's authority is linked to the men in her life. Yeah. Entirely. Yeah, it's just, um, it's patriarchy functionally. Yeah, it's pa- patriarchy. But I also think this is why white women in particular get weaponized against communities of color and uh-huh. indigenous communities because authority and power for women is structured differently in those communities. And yeah. I think that that's, it is seen as a threat to their power. Um, which is unfortunate because it's just dividing and conquering over and over again. Um, But men begin to also see that like my status is elevated by the woman that I can quote unquote empower. Um, And it's proximal power. Yes. It's all proximal power. Right. Um, Which is sad because I, I wish that um, we had a society where women could feel powerful in and of themselves because they're human beings and they deserve to feel powerful and an authority of their own bodies and their own destiny, their own, um, their own autonomy. Um, but that was not prevalent in, that's not what's being taught. And so there's this very strange, like push pull in these communities and in feminism, even like who has, who has the authority to say what, um, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it definitely is messy. And I know that I have been given like specific, um, I don't know, I just like advantages or like opportunities mm-hmm. just because of like my proximity to a man, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, I mean this, like, like literally it's not, not even in any kind of a sexual way. Like this is just like work stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, but that's kind of the thing. Like, I mean, even, even in office settings, like if the right, if the right, like person above you, like takes a liking to you, that usually means that you're going to get like a bigger raise Mm -hmm. or a bigger bonus, right? That usually Mm -hmm. means that you're going to be like kind of the first choice for like getting promoted if that's, you know, within the realm of possibility. Um, you know, if there's, if there's that, right. If there's other, if there, if you're like doing this work alongside men, then like, whatever, it doesn't really matter if like some dude higher than you likes you because like male bias. Right. Um, and, but yeah, I, I mean, I definitely feel like that is, a, it's, it's such a, it's such a real thing. And also like, I mean, it, it's, it's feeling, feeling empowered is, awesome and but I think that having a space where there's not um I think creating a society where um you can't make predictions based on gender Hmm. right especially in like especially in the business world whatever like I'm not this isn't me trying to advocate for capitalism or anything it's just like how it works right um yeah, that there's like, there's kind of this, this disconnect, right? Where like women get paid less after they have kids, but men get paid more. And like men are just more likely to be considered for roles that they have not ever done before. 
mm-hmm. and women very much feel like I have to have done all of these things before in order to even apply for this job, in order to consider applying for this job, right? Whereas men are just like, yeah, I can do that, cool, and and we'll just like go for it, um, right? And there's there's like this kind of anti-feminist bias still that like if you get a bunch of resumes, you're just culturally, we are trained to assume that like the men are more competent, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so I, it just, yeah. it goes so, so deep, but like evangelicalism is just like, it takes it to a very uh, scary place, right? Yeah. Because I think of the proximity to abuse there. Absolutely. Um, and that's not great. <laughs> yeah, like it, in that system, abuse is so easy to perpetuate Um, yeah and you're not going to get called on it no because you know again women have no power except from the men that they're relating with Mm -hmm. and so you know their their testimony is not seen as valid yeah they're or like they're just trying to ruin a good man's life ruin a good man's career oh Um, my god and and that's unfortunate. And, and I've seen it even mm-hmm. in churches that I, I felt like were good. I posted on mm-hmm. Twitter that I recently had an anniversary for a church that I had um, interviewed at. It was about nine, 10 years ago. Okay. And I went up there and it was a good interview. I was excited about the job. The people were great. Like, mm. And I need to emphasize that because what comes next shows that people can be evangelical and great um and still be terrible um because i mean they were fantastic they were super accommodating like and this was like a marathon weekend of interviews like this was like an extensive process which if you are someone who's still a christian is a pastor marathon weekend interviews i think is a red flag having Mm -hmm. interviewed at a lot of different churches that Mm -hmm. can be a bit of a red flag but so last, I've had four interviews in a day. This last yeah. one of the day, I'm exhausted. And they start hitting me with these theological questions about like, who can get divorced? Who can initiate a divorce? Oh God. Like, um, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm arguing from the scriptures. I don't have the references because I didn't come prepared for this today. Right, right, yeah, of course. But like I, I had references. I was like, a woman that's being abused can initiate a divorce, like period, full stop. You know, mm-hmm. I have a ch- chapters and verses to back it up. And they're like, well, how do you define abuse? Like who gets to define that? You know, Person being harmed. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that's what I'm like, you know, cause I mentioned neglect as well. Like someone who's yeah. just completely emotionally cold, maybe it's not abusive, but like the marriage is dead. You right. know, it's completely right. dead. Um, right. They're like, well, you know, who's, who defines neglect? Like who gets and, to say, you know, and the, the crazy thing is, is in all of their examples of like, you know, well, what if she's lying? Like that, it was, it was always, what if she's lying? Like, I mean, cause men can be abused. Men can be neglected as well, you know, but it's like, what if she's lying? What if it's not actually abused? Like that stuff kept coming up. And I'm like, mm. folks, one, it is not my job as this person's pastor to determine if they're being abused or not. That is yeah. not my job. Like yeah. it is my job to offer pastoral care and give seek you know guide them to social services that actually can help them right and also therapy like it is not my job 
And but it was like there was this huge emphasis on like the men in the community. They didn't say the men in the community, but it was, it was all right. dudes. Um, need to make a determination whether or not this is a quote unquote legitimate divorce in order for them to like separate. And I'm like, my God, like, Mm-mm. you know, and this was, this was, you know, not that long ago. Right. And yeah. like, I remember after that interview and there were several other things that were said as well. And I was like, I don't want this job anymore. And th- they didn't give it to me <laughs> and they didn't give it to me for those reasons. Cause I, I specifically oh, asked yeah. them, I said, you know, what is the reason am I getting this job? And they said, it's because of, you know, basically you, you didn't, you you're, were, you're you, not were, you allowed of, of an abuse apologist. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I was like, this is a compliment. Fuck you very much. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, um, and, and that is not, I say all that to be like, you know, this was on the surface, a, a fantastic church community. Right. That was incredibly welcoming to me, but mm-hmm. there was this under this conservative evangelical undercurrent that had the potential to hide mountains of abuse uh-huh. in Jesus' name, mm-hmm. um, and and that's a that's a problem. Um, yeah, and I hope that church is different now. I, you know, I, I'm not going to go look them up. I'm not going to spend the time, but um, but it um, yeah, I hope that that's not the case anymore. Oof. Bad times for everybody. Yeah, bad times for everybody. But, you know, the evangelical church is shrinking and hopefully that means people are getting therapy and yeah, women are gaining more autonomy and therapy for everybody. This will be a a historical blip. (laughs) I can drink to that. Yes, indeed, indeed. So uh, let's take a quick break for an ad. And then we will get to our uh, patron awards and our story for the day. All right. Eight. See you in a minute. Bye. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, hope you bought a thing from the ad. I don't know. Whatever. Don't, don't, don't capitulate to capitalism. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we uh, have a patron. Yes, New we patron do. That we got to thank. So we're very excited about this and, um, they're getting, they're getting their very own life verse, uh, cause the entire Bible is God breathed and stuff. Yes, God <laughs> what breathed. does that even, what does that even mean? God just got to put a little on it. They fold in the cheese, baby. Yep. <laughs> just, just, it just, it is what it is. It is you what it is. Accept it, you know? Uh-huh. So, yeah. So Chris is our brand new patron. And Chris gets a life verse, then uh, Justin's yeah. just going to flip through the scriptures until yeah. the Lord yeah. leads him to a very specific spot. Yeah. And then all we'll right. just see what happens. Okay. Oh, all right. Um, yes, Chris, your Address. verse. Where are you at? Your verse is Luke chapter four, mm-hmm. verse 11. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. That's, 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 yeah, that's a quote from the 91st Psalm. That's, yeah, it's, it's from Luke, but also from, yeah, but it was Jesus, was Jesus quoting the 91st Psalm? Yeah, absolutely. It was. I know that because I memorized it as a child. She memorized both Luke and the Psalm. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
uh yeah so yeah that's so you know that's great may they whoever they they are to you lift you up with their hands so that you will not strike your foot in a consensual way in a consensual way of course of course um and awesome uh thanks chris if anybody else wants to uh you know get a life verse or just get ad free episodes of the podcast you can just go over to patreon just patreon.com slash go home bible super easy and um yeah you can just sign up it takes 90 seconds maybe yep and you can help them support the show help us offset you know some of the costs and the intellectual labor just kidding i would i would i i do this for fun i don't actually (laughs) i don't feel like i need to get paid for this at all uh it really just is like technical shit but um all the technical shit all the technical shit sometimes costs some monies, some dollars. So, but thank you, Chris, and all of our patrons and and all of our listeners as well. The, um, y'all are a great community and we love you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so today we're going to talk a little bit about salvation and getting Mm. saved. And we thought we would go to the, the getting saved verse of the most getting saved verses. Um, and that is John chapter three. Um, I think we'll go, um, just the first half of that chapter. We don't need to do the whole thing, but, um, I think it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I, I want us to kind of explore a little bit about this whole idea of getting saved. What does even, does it mean? What did it mean? Should we, should we renounce our salvation now? Um, can we can we send it back? I don't know. So return to sender. Return to sender, because uh, this didn't make any sense. Um, so uh, just to kind of set it up a little bit, uh, John chapter three, uh, Jesus is doing his thing, he's cruising around. John, uh, you know, I would say that none of the gospels care that much about the timeline. Uh, John does not care at all about the timeline. <laughs> um, so this is definitely like, uh, John's like told like, you know, Pulp Fiction or any other movie that's told out of order. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so this is early on, but a certain man, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, who was kind of a big deal. Uh, he came to Jesus at night. Um, now, most evangelicals that have heard this story would like, he came to Jesus at night because he was scared of uh, being seen. <laughs> He's sneaking into Jesus' room at night. I'll let you know oh, no. what you will. Uh, but it could just be because he wanted to avoid the crowds and have a long conversation with him. It doesn't necessarily need to mean that he was like sneaking. I think it's just because they, they included it. So it feels like it's like an essential part of the story. Yeah. Right. Like it wasn't just like, uh, and Nicodemus came to Jesus and was like, Rabbi, we yeah. know you're a teacher. It's like, oh, it wasn't nice. So that is yeah. that is something that has to do with the story. But if you know the Bible, you know that they will add random details. Yeah. And that are not that are not necessary. And we'll all. see, we'll see more random details as we go on. Um, so he says to him, and I'm gonna quote just because I want you to I want it to just fall just a bit. I want to I want it to fall on you how batshit some of Jesus' answers are. Um <laughs> And, and that's going to be our drinking game, actually. When okay. Jesus Just answers a question real weird. with something that makes absolutely no sense, 
Um, go ahead and take, take a, a drink. drink. Um, and I think that's why most of us Bible kids don't have very good social skills because our primary oh, book was a book that had terrible conversations in it <laughs> that we were told made sense. Um, so anyway, so Nicodemus says, Rabbi, uh, we know you're a great teacher who's come from God for no one can perform the miraculous signs that you do unless God is with them. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless a person is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Like, I'm going to take a drink for that one. <laughs> that makes no above. sense. <laughs> oh, man. I think it means that if you were born and your mom was like standing or standing, she was on her hands and knees versus if she was like on her back or her side. True. So if you're born from above, if you were like falling on the floor. Yeah. That's what it means. Yeah. So this makes no sense. And here's the interesting thing, too. It makes no sense in Greek either. Oh, so God. like so this born from above that word above um ah, what's the greek word i actually i actually did look it up today but it's escaped me because all greek escapes me instantly but um that word above uh can also mean again um which is why okay. some translations are born from above or born again born again um, yeah. because the context later tells you that jesus is meaning above but it's like a wordplay deal um, because Nicodemus next says, like, how can a man be born when he's old? Because the Greek word could mean either one. So like the narrator, the person writing John is kind of setting up Nicodemus to be an idiot so that Jesus can oh. later explain what he means. Which would be beautiful and brilliant if Jesus spoke Greek, but Jesus did not speak Greek. He spoke Aramaic. This conversation did not happen. Um, like case closed. Like Nicodemus may have gone to Jesus, but this conversation did not happen like this. So yes. already, like there's Mac truck sized holes in the story. <laughs> in the narrative, oh god. Already. Okay. Okay. Um, so uh anyway, so Nicodemus, as you do when someone says, like, you have to be born again to understand what I'm saying, after you've like asked what I feel like is a basic normal question. <laughs> Uh, Nicodemus is like, uh, how does this happen? Like, does he enter his mother's womb a second time? Like, no, thank you, please. Yeah, no, thanks. Don't want to do that. Um, no, nope, not interested. I think I enjoyed it the first time, but I don't. I'm know sure that it was I great. I don't know that I want to. There's no way to. There's no way to know. It could yeah. have been awful. So that's true. Um, so Jesus answers again. I tell you the truth. Unless a person is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And which again, like. What does it mean? Like Nicodemus didn't ask him about the kingdom. Uh, um, what well, was born of flesh I and spirit? A, I need a drink. This is making me nuts already. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is answering questions that are not being asked. Nobody is asking these. Yes. And using a language that he didn't even speak. So Jesus kind of goes on to explain a little bit, you know, about, you know, that a person needs to be born of the spirit um you know everyone must be born from above and that the spirit kind of does whatever the fuck it wants to do uh that's my paraphrase of what's going on um and so jesus says like you know or nicodemus you know obviously confused as you would be this is the jesus most... is just rambling on about yes. like the spirit and the wind and you have to be born again but not the 
first way, the other way. Yeah, and, and you hear the wind sound, but you don't know where it's going. Yeah, and it may be born again. It may be born from above. Like, what's happening? Maybe it's just your spirit is reborn from a thing. Nobody yeah. knows. So it's nebulous enough that you can move the goalposts to make it say whatever you want. Uh, so Nicodemus replies, how can these things be? And then Jesus like cuts him off. You're a teacher of Israel and you don't understand. I tell you the truth. Like it's a very evangelical response to like yeah. yell at someone that you're telling the truth, even though it's like what you're saying does not sound like the truth to me. Right. And you, and um, you won't unpack it. And you're not unpacking it at all. Um, you know, basically he's, he, he goes on, you know, like, you know, I'm telling you about earthly things. How can I trust you with heavenly things? <laughs> Which like Jesus. we haven't we haven't made a meaningful distinction between these two things at all yet. Jesus is um, kind of being an asshole in the story. A little bit. Um, and you know, oh no one. Oh my god! Oh my god! He's being a pretentious hipster white dude at a fucking bar in yes. Portland on Friday night at eleven thirty p.m. I have met this dude so many times. <laughs> well, now you know where he got all his material. <laughs> oh, I hate it. Jesus, I was just starting to like you again. And now I hate you. Your name's yeah. Parker. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I just man. have feelings now. Yeah. Jesus being a dick and not answering the actual question. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, Jesus was doing it before it was cool. So it's fine. Yeah. And, and then he's like, and then he starts talking about no one has ascended to heaven except the one who has descended from heaven, who is the son of man. I'm going which, to be drunk very quickly. I just which, need to interject. Like, <laughs> like, like falling apart in like, my head. Yeah, I did. I'm wondering if like Jesus, like, like took a bunch Maybe. of mushrooms and then Nicodemus shows up. And he's like, oh shit. Like, uh, sober up real quick. Like, we have to be born another time. Like I can, I, I've seen that. I've, I have seen and done that guy. Um, so I'm like being born right now. I'm there. Are you there with me, Nicodemus? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, just as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up, you know, which, okay, thanks. Thanks, Jesus. <laughs> um, like, I was just asking you, like, about the miraculous signs. Um, and kind of buttering you up but okay um so nicodemus kind of fades from the narrative at this point and i'm wondering jesus if that's... is just talking talking <laughs> i'm wondering going on i'm wondering if... like, okay well i'm 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 gonna go home now thanks <laughs> he just left and jesus is still going still on going. um so then we get to the, like the peace de resistance um for in this way god loved the world he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And then, then it says, God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save it. Uh, because God sent people... evangelicals to condemn the world. He didn't yeah. mean to send Jesus. Yeah, for sure. You know, but here's what makes no sense. Like the one who believes in him is not condemned. And the one who does not believe has already been condemned. Um Jesus so, was a Calvinist? Oh my yeah, God. I guess so. Oh I, my God. Uh, you know, a Calvinist have a good point, I think. I, I mean, that's fair. Um, God's a dick. That's the point. So he just kind of goes on and rambles on a bit more. So I'm I, like, I'm, I'm, I think this might be the first time I'm legitimately drunk on this show. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, yeah. What is happening right now? Yeah. 
And, and this is like the crowning chapter of a lot of salvation Scripture, theology. Basically, like, you know, yeah. John three sixteen is probably the most quoted verse. Easily, I mean, people that aren't Christians and probably have never even been raised Christian could probably yeah. at least tell you generally what John three sixteen you know mm-hmm. says. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that Jesus even knew what it meant. Um, and, when he and was I, saying it, and I got into the weeds a little bit more in the Greek and just trying to like trying to like piece together in my head, like, okay, what value did I see in this at one point as an evangelical? And it's, it's hard. It's hard to find. But it's just a lot of it doesn't make sense. And it's contradictory. Um, And I'm sure there are some very clever workarounds. You know, I think most pastors and theologians, we have our, you know, conspiracy theory board to try to make it all make sense. Mm -hmm. But just at face value, this is a very confusing narrative that you know again probably is decent wordplay in greek but it does that raise that question of like jesus was not greek so did jesus even say this and what purpose did it serve the person who's writing it is just trying to be like witty mm-hmm. yeah okay but yeah. like a very, in greek, a very in greek witty yeah so in English, it's it pretty, really doesn't it's make niche, sense. niche, right. Yeah. It's a kind of, it's it's not everybody's going to get being on the joke, mm-hmm. essentially. A very okay. Parker thing to do. It's a very Parker thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So what did getting saved, you know, either because of this verse or other verses, mean to you, Tori? Um, yeah. So we weren't like... Uh, so my mom, my mom's getting saved verse that we said every day um, was Romans ten nine, um, if you confess with your heart Jesus is Lord, mm-hmm. or if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. Yeah. Right. Um, and so very clear did... criteria. Right. Exactly. It's not like it's not like whoever was writing it was trying to like be all snarky and be like, haha, see, I gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. So. Parker didn't write Romans, not saying I like who did. I'm just saying we know that that much. Um, but yeah, it was just like, I, I mean, I remember being told like it was before I got into the, the big kid class. Um, it was when I was in like one of the like, I think it was one of the preschool classrooms. Like I we went to the big kids class in like either kindergarten or first grade. I'd be shocked if it was kindergarten, but maybe anyway. So I was four or five probably. And um, yeah, I, I remember uh, we all had to like close our eyes and bow our heads. And then after we did this, the teacher, the Sunday school teacher kept talking and was like, if you accept Jesus into your heart, you get to spend eternity in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I remember this as a fucking four-year-old is because I was like, I like presents. That sounds great. Nice. Um, right. But like the, the alternative was like hellfire and damnation forever because you're mm-hmm. an evil person. Cause you're four years old and have a bunch of agency and autonomy and have ruined lives and, you know, cut people off in traffic and like stolen money. <laughs> it's like, who, why are you yeah. sending babies to hell? First of all, like, come on, you guys. Um, but yeah, so it was like, 
it depended on the stage of my life, whether it was like, I'm, you know, for the most part, I was pretty into it. And then sometimes it was like, well, you know, just in case this is real, like Mm. just, I got my ticket. So I'm, I'm, you know, worst case scenario, if I need to get bailed out because evangelical theology makes so much sense. It's like, if if at the last moment, (laughs) like straight up, I was told like Hitler might be in heaven right now. Wow. That is a thing that was said to me. Because yeah, he may have, he may have repented at the repented last second, at the last moment. Yeah, um, which kind of <laughs> makes like there's a daredevil part of me that kind of wants to ride the wave. Then, like, <laughs> see if it works out. If it works out, um, yeah. It, it was, you know, I remember a lot of yeah hellfire talk and a lot of um, very graphic depictions of Jesus' death. Mm-hmm. Um, like we knew anatomical facts about what a nail does to a human body right way too early in life that's not um, a thing that you really ever need to know hopefully no like i hope that's and, the thing no one needs to know yeah and like you know oh jesus probably wasn't pierced in the palm because right. then you know that's like, not can't hold the weight of a yeah, whole body yeah like yeah like, oh my god so we knew these very grisly anatomical Ugh. facts um and apparently people like had studied this extensively to like, to make sure people could get an extra accurate picture of the death of Jesus. I don't, whatever. Um, so I, yeah, it's like, this this very like pressure to like hit this moment, mm-hmm. to, you know, to believe, you know, that's what Jesus says in John three sixteen. whoever believes in me mm-hmm. um, will not perish. will have eternal life or being born again. You know, that's right. the, you know, being born from above is really what Jesus is saying. Born again is not actually what he's talking about. Um, so, which I don't even know what that means, but anyway, just We're lost. lost and drunk. Well, it could be either one because the Greek word means both. Yay. Um, so play um yeah and it's even that the authors thought that clever wordplay was appropriate with something that supposedly if you get wrong you will burn in hell forever for right maybe he didn't take it as seriously as as we were taught that we should perhaps they didn't actually believe that but (laughs) that's another podcast um yeah and you know this the thing to make it a moment if i can kind of do like a little history thing um yes um, i love history kind of going back in history so you know the idea of salvation as a moment is a very american thing uh it's a mm. very capitalist thing <laughs> nice. um, you know well like even like the whole like testimony thing like when they I mean i don't know if you had this but i had training in how to share my testimony and mm-hmm. it's like, you have to have a beginning. Who was I before Jesus? Yep. You know, and most of us were Christians when we became Christians. So it was like, it's... I lied to my mom. I was really bad at lying. And then I became a Christian and I still lied to my mom. <laughs> but, <laughs> Things have changed. <laughs> you know, like there's, um, I think, uh, what's that documentary? Jesus Camp, I think. Mm-hmm. Where they're like, have like five-year-olds like giving their testimony <sighs> and like kids yeah. Are like, yeah, I lived a really rough life. <laughs> Ate a lot of tootsie I mean, rolls. I'm know. not, I'm not saying that it's not possible for a five-year-old to have lived a rough life. Like true, I'm not, I'm true. not going to say that that's not possible, but I feel like if this is a scenario in which you are being given a mic 
and told to speak, you probably have not lived a very rough life. Yeah. And if you have lived a rough life as a five-year-old, a five-second prayer to Jesus is probably oh. not going to fix it. Um, <laughs> just throwing that out there. Oh, um, so sad. So, sorry. Um, I'm going to rip that bandaid off right now. Um, <laughs> For all the five-year-olds listening. Yeah, you need, you need, you, know. ma- you need material support if you have a rough life as a five-year-old. <laughs> Um, so, uh, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. Going down history, you know, a lot of the, this like pressure to like make it a moment really like came in the second great awakening. Uh, this is like, uh, around the civil war time. Um, so this was Charles Finney really popularized it. He was a revivalist. He would go around. Um, and the second great awakening, by the way, is, you know, after obviously the first great awakening, which happened under John Edwards, which we talked about last week. So great, great awakenings, quote unquote, have a wonderful track record. Um, But Charles Finney, he really popularized this idea of like, stand up, come to the altar, get saved. Um, That was his big thing to like make it this moment. Now, I will say a good thing Charles Finney did, which I wish more churches would do, um, which he would have people sign up to be saved, basically. But he, that part of that signing up was also signing up to be an abolitionist because he was basically like, well, you're a Christian now, which means you're an abolitionist. So you're going to sign up to be part of the abolitionist club now that you're a Christian. So there was this like weird gotcha moment, which I, amazing. I actually find quite brilliant. Uh-huh. Um, and I no, wish this, would this, back to. this guy was like a genius marketer. Yes. Man, first of all, we're still doing this shit 200 years later. Like that's yes. something. And like getting people to be like, okay, this is, you're saying this thing, but you're also doing a thing, right? Yeah. yeah. And I got you uh, to like, publicly admit that you're yes. doing this in front I have of everyone. Your name on paper, in the file cabinet, in my office. Yes. <laughs> like... and, and God does too, apparently. <laughs> oh god oh god so and so yeah we still do that and most people don't know the origin of it and i think you know the idea of people going up and having altar calls multiple times in their life and altar calls for all kinds of weird things and people having no significant political skin in the game after your altar call would probably make Mm. charles finney roll in his grave um but yeah like this pressure to make it a moment i think really undermines i think the whole thing um if you know in the sense that yeah like salvation doesn't mean a lot when you grow up christian and you've done it a dozen times and you're still not sure it quote unquote took um yeah. i want know, to talk about that part too like yeah how go many ahead times did you get saved <laughs> i've countless times right because yeah. you were there was no way to know if it stuck mm-hmm. and it was too big of a risk to like not keep doubling down just in case like the, that one time you grieved the Holy spirit and now you couldn't go to heaven because God was mad at you. Yeah. And couldn't forgive you anymore, which I just, come on, man. Like God's really phoning it in like the absentee father. He is, I gotta say mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. you're not you're not doing the greatest job honey like yeah at least yeah. satan shows up to my shows true satan shows up for me every day 
Like, I'm like, where are you? Yeah. Where are you? Like, this is my stepdad. Haven't seen you in a hot second. What do you have to say for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Like Satan's my stepdad. Can we make a t-shirt that says yes. that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, sorry, you were just gone for too long. We yes. thought you went to the grocery store. You went to the corner store to get cigarettes and you never came back. Yeah. I don't know yeah. what to tell you. Like, this is not your show anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So Satan stepped in and he's been here for me every day. He's taught me every you know, single day, all the life skills that I needed. And <laughs> you show up every now and then to tell me I'm a terrible person unless I believe in you. Like, come on. It's not a hard choice. The answer is clear. The answer is um, clear. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's this really weird thing. And I, I don't know how to get around it. And I, I remember even being, as a youth pastor, very uncomfortable pressuring people to get saved. Um, yeah. Or pre- especially, I mostly worked with kids. Um, right. and students so it feels like very manip because like I'm an adult I know right. how to manipulate a 15 year old right. like it would yeah. not be difficult for me um yeah. but that always it just feels gross um mm-hmm. so if you can have a good kill count or whatever when you report right. to the a district good body count <laughs> yeah, how many people you saved um and and I, that's um go yeah. ahead and keeping track of it that way yeah, yeah. and you know, and I, I understand that there there can be good motives in the sense that if you're someone who thinks that this is the best news on earth and you want to spread it, you want to know whether you're being successful, I can understand that. But the pressure to perform that goes with that, the pressure right. to push people to say something that maybe they don't understand or mm-hmm. or to make it so nebulous and weird that everyone says yes, so that it looks right. like you're uh-huh. doing more than you actually are. Because- yeah. If I'm going to use the criteria of being born again, you know, so this is a total, you're a total new person after this salvation thing. And this total new person looks like Jesus who says confusing shit, but for the most part is like super on board for taking care of the poor. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say most quote unquote Christians in the United States are not saved. If that's the criterion. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. It's very much like a cultural thing. And honestly, I felt that way. Even as a kid, I was like, this is really messed up. Like, I'm not going to pressure my kids into getting saved because that's, I, I like, I knew it was manipulative. It's like, this is not, this is not the right way to do things because if everything that you're telling me is true, then it's going to be obvious and I won't have to pressure my kids. Right. And this is like, I was still all the way in. And I was like, I'm not telling my kids about heaven or hell. I'm not telling them about like crucifixion or like Jesus died for your sins. Cause you're such a bad person. I was just like, this is all garbage. Like I literally, we had a little children's Bible, um, when my youngest was born. Um, and I, I would, I would just straight up skip parts. Cause I was like, fuck this. I'm not reading to you about somebody getting nailed to a cross. Mm-hmm. You're three. Like yeah. that's not okay. That's not appropriate. Even if you put it in a kid's book, I'm sorry. Yeah. But it, it is it's just so deeply manipulative. And then you have like on top of the like whole marketing piece, which again, you know, mad respect. That's really kind of brilliant in terms of like in a capitalist society, getting people to like sign on the dotted line. Be like, mm-hmm. yep, this is the thing. Like, I mean, props to Finney, dude. Like, he got it, he got it down. Uh, but like, 
in evangelicalism, the, the most effective way to recruit new souls is to just give birth to them. Mm-hmm. So, it's a mess is what I'm saying. It's a hot mess. Yeah. And yeah. And how that became like the thing that is gonna, you know, make you a Christian quote unquote, mm. um, you know, just the, the one little prayer because, you know, the Bible, the, the, what I would call the best parts of the Bible, mm-hmm. um, talk very strongly and forcefully about the people that are God's people will manifest certain character traits Yes, and, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and that they will be the kind of people that care for the poor, care for the needy and organize society in such a way that's equitable. Like it's the Bible is a very political book and it is a very, you know, if you are someone who follows this path, your life will look like this. Um, right. Which again, these, it's, it's capitalism. Yeah. It, I, like, I'm so stuck on this. I'm sorry. I did not mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. I, I, I just, I very firmly believe that like, and I, I've said this on here before, if you ask white evangelicals to repent of capitalism and the inherent greed therein, they would ask, they would believe that you were asking them to renounce their faith. They cannot mm-hmm. separate the two. Yeah. And I think that it's really like, that's why I keep kind of like harping on this like marketing piece is because it's like, that was, that was the one, that was the way that it was going to work. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's like, yeah, you have to, you have to market to people in order to get them on board with your brand new religion yeah. Yeah. Um, or new way of doing the same religion, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. Man, that's just wild. Yeah. And it, it is much easier to be like, here, sign on the dotted line. Now you're saved. You're not going to go to hell. And all you got to do is show up at this place. You don't actually have to change a thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's going to grow your church. If you say, hey, sign yeah. on the dotted line, you have to be an abolitionist. And you also, uh, you know, you need to take care of the poor and you need to organize society and you need to vote in such a way that is equitable for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah they'll run you out of town because the religion is not jesus the religion is not the bible the religion is not um love the religion is capitalism and yep and the ways in which we organize society and the ways that it benefits us and Mm -hmm. you know i mean there's like yeah we've talked about this before there are christian yellow pages right like christian business journals that are like (laughs) if you want a christian plumber you know, like it's all about organizing businesses together oh and, and getting more political power it, and, mm-hmm. and the character qualities, quote unquote. And what I would say the best parts of religion, honestly, if mm. we're going to have a religion, the best yeah, parts of absolutely. it honestly play second fiddle to, you know, power, money yeah. and yeah. social cohesion. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that that is absolutely right on the money and, and, you know, kind of along those same lines, like the fact that like our pastors would openly talk about the fact that they were reading, like they're reading like these business marketing, like New York Mm -hmm. times bestsellers to figure out how to grow the church. Yep. Right. It's like, it's, it's the same thing. I mean, you couldn't ever get them to admit that. I don't think that you could, but 
Yeah. I'm like, when you were using the same tools that capitalism is using, <laughs> I have got some news for you. Yeah, like I would say most, like if I was going to like all the books that I've been given as a pastor, you know, by district superintendents, by, you know, people saying this will help you run your ministry, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'd say it's at least 50-50 books that were written by Christians and books that were written by businessmen, <sighs> you know, easily. The and art of the deal. Yeah, the, yeah, that was probably <laughs> one of them, you know, like you want to get people saved, the art of the deal, man. Um, but like John Maxwell, who always kind of had that blurry line anyway, between like Christian, yeah. you know, uh-huh. um, and you know, he was super popular. I would say you go into any pastor's study and there's like the 20 year old theology textbooks that they had to buy for college yeah. and then business books that they bought a week ago. Yeah. And you know, that's what drives the ship is, yep. you know, cause business, business is doing it right. And, or politics is doing it right. Like, you know, we'll mm-hmm. read, we'll read, you know, this conservative politician's memoir. But if I had Barack Obama's memoir, if I had, right. you know, some liberal whatever, or if I had, you know, Ibrahim uh, Kendi's books. Oh, yeah. You know, uh-huh. If I had any of those books, like, oh, Justin, like, we need to talk, you mm-hmm. know, but like yeah. John Maxwell, like, oh, yeah, you need to eat, eat that up. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. It's just, it's just not, I don't know. It's just not good. Like, and again, like the parallels, this is going to be, this is going to be my, my second, my second thesis that I'm going to defend Mm -hmm. this week. My first one is that we already live in the hunger games because we spend more money keeping people homeless than it would cost to house them. And there are also like these agents who are authorized to like execute people for like the entertainment of the wealthy mm-hmm. <laughs> so i'm like oh this is what we're just pretending like this isn't what we're doing right okay cool mm-hmm. um but yeah no i guess this is going to be my my second thesis that i'm working on is like capitalism and evangelicalism use the exact same methods to get results in air quotes yeah because you can see me doing air quotes <laughs> yeah um yeah the, the religion is the same uh, yeah. it is, it is just the, who is being more honest. Um, mm. mm-hmm. and, and that, you know, the, the, you know, the evil mustache twirling Lehman brothers executive or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, I think is in some ways more honest mm-hmm. than the megachurch pastor who is essentially preaching the same message. You know, I mean, greed is good. Like libertarianism is huge in a lot of pastoral circles. Yeah. And, you know, the idea that individualism and greed is good. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, man is evil. You know, that preaches. And, <laughs> you know. Like, I don't get that part, though. It's like people, you know, people are just, it's human nature. People are greedy. There's mm-hmm. nothing we can do about it. But then it's yeah. like, okay, well, it's human nature. People want to have sex. I'm going to go get fucked. They're like, no, 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 no. Self-control. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, really? Like, okay. So, so, and when you examine the sins that are, mm-hmm. we can't help ourselves, greed, gluttony, yep. Yep. Um, you know, even violence to a certain extent. Oh, um, absolutely. You know, those are like, well, accidents happen or oops. It's just, yeah. You know, human nature, 
Yeah. We have to just or- fall in. We have to organize society around in, it. In the system that we have. Yep. Yeah. We just, we can't, we can't make any laws about it. You know, um, you know, the, the, this is what cracks me up about, about gun folk, you know, and I'm, mm. I'm not necessarily against people having guns per right. se, but gun folk are like, people are evil. People are <laughs> awful. People will kill you in a heartbeat. So we got to have as many guns as possible to, you know, like, well, if people are as evil as you're describing, none of them should have guns. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Like this is no, it's not all that. You know, or if you say, or they'll say like, you know, oh, well, if you make any laws about guns, you know, people just won't follow them. So why make any laws at all? You know, they're like, okay, well, that brings me to my next point, abortion. Exactly. Like, oh, we got to make all the laws in the world because uh-huh. laws will prevent. No, it won't. They won't. No, it won't. We just want to put people in jail. Yeah. So the the things that are excusable and the things that are, mm-hmm. you know, acceptable um, and the things that are not is are are very interesting. Mm-hmm. And you begin to see that the theology of white evangelicalism is not driven by their book. It is not driven by right. their guy. It mm-hmm. is it is largely driven by white supremacy, patriarchy, and capitalism. You know, yeah. that's the whole that's the holy trinity, really. Yeah, it is. Um, and that is the object of worship, and that is the God that they will fight and die for. And I think that this is really funny that we're having this conversation, like thinking about Trump being elected in retrospect makes perfect fucking sense. Yeah. Because this was already and still is what they what they worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he is their savior. Yeah. Like, like that, like he's the embodiment of everything that like their capitalist religion tells them that they could be or will Mm -hmm. be if they follow all the rules, if they do the thing, right. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure, which, I mean, there's multiple reasons why that's sad. And I don't think I have to get into any of them, but, um, like not not with this audience. I don't think. I think the Trump supporters have backed off of our podcast. I think the demographic we've probably lost. If they were listening, they've already, they've opted out by now. That's true. Um, Maybe I'm wrong, but I have a hunch. You never know. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's really interesting. It's like Trump was their guy because they worshiped the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it broke a lot of those of us that, were deconstructing or we're in the process oh, of deconstructing. Sure. It broke our brains because, yeah. well, those of us that left um, initially, I think like like myself and I think like you, mm-hmm. that we initially left because we were following Jesus. Right. Like, and that this institution was not living up to the ideals that this person was. Because I, mean, I, I make fun of Jesus in John 3 because Jesus in John generally is a crackhead. I'm sorry. Like he's he's not, he's, you know, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, he's got his shit together. I like, I generally like that. Jesus, John, Jesus is trippy and weird. Like, um, like most of the things John wrote, let's be, I mean, Jesus, Jesus was in John in multiple ways, apparently. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm just just saying like, maybe that's why John felt some kind of way about it. That's, that's why he threw Nicodemus under the bus because he's like he's sneaking into my boy's bedroom I'm gonna put him in the history book as a dummy oh god oh my um, god I'm sorry uh, I totally took that in the wrong direction <laughs> um I, I, I did lose track but it's fine I'm okay 
Um, no, yeah, I think I think it, it the election of Trump really broke our brains because it's like what you're saying. I worship Jesus. I follow this person, and what you're doing, I'm electing Donald Trump, did not make sense. Mm-hmm. And I think once I began to become more honest about the fact that, okay, they say Jesus, but there is a real thing behind this mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with Jesus. Like yeah. all, most of the contradictions begin to iron themselves out when you see it as we are worshiping capitalism. We are worshiping yeah. white supremacy. We are worshiping whatever. And Jesus is just the way that we worship that thing. Um, yeah. and the, and so when you start to view it that way, you know, I, I think there, it, there can be problems too, because it does get really messy as to like, you know, it, it is Christianity, but it's not, cause it's not directed to Jesus. There, there, there's can be some definitions that can get right. fuzzy there, but yeah, I think when I began to look at it that way, it honestly began to make a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I want to emphasize, I don't know that for the most part, it, this is something that is intentional by a lot of people i think politicians intentionally use it i agree i don't know how intentional it is in evangelical spaces necessarily yeah i think jerry falwell senior oh boy oh boy thought he was following god going all the way back Uh, Um, like you know like i i i I don't think it was like "Hmm, i'm going to create a white utopia for white supremacy but he also wanted to do that let's be honest he did but he (laughs) wanted to do it for jesus like i do think i but i I do think that white supremacists for jesus i I, yeah i do think there is a there is a sense like i want to do this for jesus but the thing that you want to do for jesus jesus would puke vomit out of his mouth if he was still alive um nice (laughs) like he would he would find that to be disgusting because you're using his name to you know basically oppress people which is the Mm -hmm. exact opposite thing that he wanted yeah yeah that's absolutely true and I think that like the point that um I think the point that you made about violence being kind of like this new like the fourth member of the trinity quote unquote mm-hmm. like the yeah. actual is like i think that's kind of prescient honestly because it's like that was that was a big part of why they liked donald trump also was like he's 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 gonna he's gonna beat people up for us right mm-hmm. like yeah. we've been bullied it's all projection but we've been bullied and made fun of and now trump is gonna get them back for us yeah right yeah um but yeah i think that also like this kind of movement towards um this kind of movement in white evangelicalism towards fascism functionally like i know that people throw that word around but i just mean like um the actual like the actual the actual actions that Mm -hmm. make up like a fascist state are things that like they have been really into right like all these Mm -hmm. marches where they have all their guns out and their big trucks and their rallies and whatever um that don't have any any purpose except to like just intimidate people right um like political like political clashes in the street is like super super common and <laughs> yeah. like in like baby fascist states and like this this idea of action for action's sake like we're manly men we got to do the thing it doesn't matter if there's nothing to do we're going to make something to do and then mm-hmm. go do it right we're going to yeah. we're going to break something and then go fix it um 
so I, I don't mean like yeah, that's just gonna... like oh i think you're dumb you're you're a dumb liberal you're a dumb conservative you're being a fucking fascist like i don't mean it like that i mean it in like the technical like academic sense yeah yeah the, <laughs> the, the, the violence piece is what i'm trying to get at that's all yeah. i'm trying to say yeah violence is that like to me it's like there's fascism light or there's like mm, that could be fascist but then like oh now you're really bringing violence in yeah this is fascism like, right right <laughs> like and and yeah the the, I'm going to stand here, like, I'm going to grow my big beard and get all my, like, tactical gear, which, you know, I, I love the TikToks of, like, military people that look at these guys and make fun of them, because it's like, yeah. <laughs> like, you can't even run in they this outfit. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know it's what they're just, doing. They're, they just want to look cool. They're cosplaying as uh-huh. tough people. Well, yeah, um, and what they as, imagine as, as tough patriots. People. Yeah, and yeah they're cosplaying as patriots. Like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I think um, yeah. The other the other part that I want to throw out there uh, is is like the alignment with power, right? Because I just mm-hmm. I feel like people really can like take things away that I don't mean them to be taken, um, but like the alignment with the cops plus yeah. the violence, yeah, right? Like that is that's also essential, right? Yeah. If you're not aligning with the power that already exists, like it's not fascism. Like it might be some other form of violence, and like that's debatable. But just for clarity, I want to make sure that people like have have all the information so they can make an informed decision um as to whether or not we live in a fascist state as to whether or not we live in a fascist state because you can decide because you can decide (laughs) yes it's up to you it's up to you um no can i can i can i like do a plug really fast like there is a free there's a free audiobook on the interwebs it's called the war on everyone robert evans wrote it and he just like kind of details like the the main points of fascism um from a historical from a historical academic perspective um, and then kind of applies it to what we're seeing now. And like, I think you wrote it in 2019 or something. Um, but anyway, it's free. You can go listen to it. I recommend it to everybody because it's, it's, it's important. And now that like evangelicals are feeling, they're feeling very validated by the same things that fascists feel validated by. Yeah. Right. So even if you want to say like, no, that's not what they're doing. Okay. That's fine. But like, if you actually look at, the tenets of fascism. Mm-hmm. This is like this violent piece that they're like, yeah, it's like the world isn't a safe place. And so I have to defend myself. Yeah. And not just defend myself, but I have to go above and beyond what anything, any, any normal person, even someone who had like malice and was trying to be violent, like above and beyond anything that even a bad guy would do is like how I have to respond to any kind of perceived threat. Yeah. Um, and this yeah. is being done by people who claim to be saved by Jesus. Yeah. Who was a pacifist brown peasant. Yeah. That was not aligned with power. Uh-huh. That was the bottom rung of the power structure and was murdered by you know, like to use a modern term, murdered by soldiers and bootlickers. Uh-huh. Like, um, yeah. So it, that is what is, if, if I'm going to draw, it's almost humorous in a way. Right. To like be like you, you know, you, you're aligning with, you claim this person, mm-hmm. but you're aligning with the people historically that would have killed him yeah. in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that that that's not taught or seen at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you bring it up, people get mad. Um, yeah. 
or if you even if you bring up that modern evangelicals are much more like the Pharisees, which I think is actually not fair for the Pharisees and constrained to anti-Semitism, but the caricature yeah. of the Pharisees as presented in the New Testament, which is religious bigots. Right. Um, yeah. You know, let's, I want to be clear about that. Um, right. That if you say like you guys are being religious bigots, <laughs> like they're like, oh no, we're not. We're we're Jesus. No, they're saying, they'll like, say, you're oppressing us. Yeah, you're stop oppressing us. us. Yeah, stop persecuting us because we're aligned with Jesus. So anything negative said about us is said about yeah. Jesus and this persecution. So it is a interesting, yeah. like, if you look at the psychology of it, it is a very clever ego defense against criticism to align yourself with this historically pr- oppressed person and to mm-hmm. be like, any critique is oppression. Um, yep. Like that's, the ego will just live on that shit. Totally. Um, and I mean, I think that that's why there's people like Chris Pratt and, and Kanye West. And yeah. like, I need cover for the shitty things that I do. So I'm going to like, I'm a Christian now. You can't, any criticism of me is criticism of, of Christ. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me what to do. And yeah. that's, that's, it has appeal to a certain group of people, um, which stresses me out a lot, but you know, this is where we are, I guess. Yeah. Um, so we said we were not going to do a town downer episode, Tori, and we're talking about oh. faster sticking for the world. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I think that, well, so the thing is for me, it's like, I feel like it's really important to know yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because, because the thing is <clears throat> like, Historically, like using the state to defeat fascism doesn't really work, right? You have to like mm-hmm. organize outside, create outside pressure, um, which I think is something that like a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are very into, right? Like mm-hmm. community building and mutual aid and and just this idea of like, we have to care for one another because like nobody in the government cares, yeah. right? Yeah, and this week in particular in like this, that has been made oh God. very clear uh-huh um, yeah. yeah um no no nobody in the government cares and okay like we should stop expecting them to like if somebody is going to take care of us it's going to be us yep yeah and and doing that in a mutual way because i think yeah. i think that the the other side which i don't like othering people but, but right I, yeah. I do think that the more conservative evangelical side draws the same conclusion um i think we're all drawing the right conclusion that government isn't working for us right but i think that the response is very different because the mm-hmm. i think I, the response that i want to be in on is like okay let us all band together and share our resources right and, and help each other figure this out whereas I think a lot of people are like, let's silo up and let's build yeah. a bunker yeah. and get all the guns we can because mm-hmm. they, whoever they are, are coming for us. Right. And it's like, well, you can't eat a gun. Sorry. <laughs> a gun's not going to feed you actually for very long. You know, like it really isn't. No, I know. I know. It's so true. And I, I, I'm very, I'm really fascinated by that because yeah, there is, there is like definitely a part of that particular community that's, like, yeah, the government isn't working for us. I got to look out for number one. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and again, like that looks, that looks like violence. Yeah. And that, yeah, right? that, that becomes violence. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't look like collaboration. It doesn't look like getting to know my neighbors. Right. It doesn't look like sharing my skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that 
I think it can be like out organizing outside of power, I think can be like, like political power can be a really cool, inspiring thing, you know, which is what the early followers of Jesus did. Oh my God. You brought it full circle. I, I managed to do it. I, this is a legit full circle. Like I feel very good about it, but like, you know, everything comes back to Christians talk very fondly about the early church, like always because the church grew the fastest, the church Uh spread, you know, the church was wild and weird, but, um, but that's because honestly, it was this mutual, it was basically a giant mutual aid group. It was. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. Um, and I think getting back to those roots, I don't necessarily think they need to be under the banner of Christian, but Mm -hmm. I do think that getting back to the idea that humans work best when we work collaboratively and cooperatively within a power structure Uh or or maybe sometimes manipulating a power structure um, like that actually can bring about the things that we want to see in the world Mm -hmm. Um, and that can be a very powerful and liberating thing and sadly we've turned it into like this individual decision to follow Jesus right Um, but I just not what Christianity ever was yeah like it was never like the individual decision of like, I mean, Jesus, mm-hmm. there was like the come follow me. Yeah. Right. But it wasn't like, come follow me. And now you're in charge. It was like, mm-hmm. no, this is just when you're following me, you're joining these, these other people who are already here, Yeah, you and, know, and there's yeah. not a hierarchy in that. I don't know. And most of the time in the new Testament, when you read the word you, it should be translated you all or y'all mm-hmm. like y'all it's, it is it is y'all are following me and y'all are taking care of each other mm-hmm. uh, but when you take care of when it gets translated into something like you take care of you right <laughs> i get where very individualistic people would say like i gotta take care of me mm-hmm. you know but mm-hmm. it's like no you all will take care of each other right. <laughs> um, oh man i that yeah. part honestly excites me i'm not gonna lie like yeah. i'm not not trying to be like some weirdo accelerationist or anything but like like yeah we have to figure this shit out but i i think that mm-hmm. we can do it and i think that like at some point something a lot better could come of it than what we've you know what we've had in this country up until now yeah like, um and we could actually live up to our ideals i think yeah um oh, absolutely and i think that would be that would be a good thing i think that would be lovely yep yep I think we'll I think we'll cut it off there. We uh, hey. it's, it's it was a good one. Uh, this has been another delightful episode of Go Home Bible. You're drunk. If you would like to see us on the Twitters uh, or the Instagrams, uh, we are at Go Home Bible. Uh, we're also on Patreon. Uh, if you want to get in on that mutual aid action, oh hell um, yeah, <laughs> you can join our Patreon. Patreon.com slash go home Bible. If you can't, um, another way you can help the podcast is to give us a five-star review on wherever you get your podcasts and sharing it with a friend. You know, yeah. uh, any any peer-to-peer or one-to-one connection that you're like, hey, I like this podcast. I want to share it with this person. Um, that would be great for the show. And you know, it'd help us out and we get a new friend. Who knows? Yeah. Well, thanks everybody. Have a good week. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.